Hello, my name is Rebecca May Johnson. I'm a writer and cook, and this is my Substack. This week's newsletter is about a trip on a ferry from the UK to the Netherlands, and eating notes. Canteen on the Stenner Hollandica. After a five-minute train journey from Harwich Town to Harwich International, we arrive at the ferry terminal at 9pm, the beginning of the window for checking in. We take a lift from the platform to a bridge over the tracks that leads into the terminal. The only other person in the large foyer area is a Dutch man with a bicycle who is trying to convince the woman at the desk to allow him to buy a ticket for this journey. She says he must wait for her colleague to see see if there is space in 30 minutes. 30 minutes? 30 minutes. At the baggage security checkpoint, the man running things jokes to his colleague that he is drinking gin from his large clear plastic water bottle and offers it to her. She says she doesn't like gin. We are the only people going through security for foot passengers. I have to take off my shoes as they set off the alarm. Unlike at an airport, there are no restrictions on liquids such as shampoo etc in one's luggage and it's not necessary to take them out of the suitcase. Then we depart land by walking onto a glass-walled corridor suspended in the air between the terminal and the ferry, which allows us to note the large scale of the ferry and the lorries and cars coming on board below and workers driving uncannily speedy luggage-moving vehicles up and down a ramp. On board the Stena Hollandica for the first time, Gleaming orange-beige wood-effect veneer walls. Gleaming chrome trim. Lots of staff are waiting to greet us and direct us to the lifts which take us to the floor where our cabin is. In an online film club run by a friend during the COVID-19 lockdown, I watched the short documentary film Seafarers, directed by Eleanor Mortimer in 2017, which shows seafarers having downtime in the Seafarers Centre, a dingy room with a shop on port premises. It is the only space these workers are allowed to go off the ship due to visa and time restrictions. They call their families and buy them presents from the shop and generally hang out. The workers are hired by shipping companies from countries where there is a low to no minimum wage compared to the UK slash EU. The Seafarers Centre exists because these workers are not allowed to go beyond the boundaries of the port in the film, Felixstowe. Felixstowe is a short distance across the estuary from Harwich, where we are boarding the ship. UK and EU shipping companies hiring workers who are not subject to local employment law is increasingly common practice. As was widely reported, in 2022, P&O Ferries illegally fired 800 of their staff and replaced them with agency workers who they pay a fraction of the wages, reportedly as low as £1.80 an hour, and who do not have UK employment rights. This is the first time I have taken the ferry since learning about the working conditions experienced by agency staff from the documentary and news reports. I look up Stenerline, who run this ferry, and read a 2012 report that cites the RMT union saying that Stena recruit workers from the Philippines who are paid a fraction of the wage of their British and EU workers, 
as little as £2.20 an hour. During the crossing, there appears to be a difference in the hours and kinds of work undertaken by workers of different ethnicities. I I wonder whether workers on this ferry receive unequal pay and whether some of these seafarers, like those in Felixstowe, are stranded within the port boundaries on breaks from work. When we arrive at the cabin, we open the door and directly opposite is a large porthole with an embedded window seat looking out onto the water. It is still light at 9.15pm in late June and S immediately lies down on the window seat and looks out at the water. He loves window seats and, in a slightly anxious but enthusiastic manner, likes to monitor what is happening on aeroplanes and boats when in transit. There is a comfortable double bed with a single bed above it, which I fold away. There is a TV and quite a large toilet slash shower room, which smells of drains. I peer into the shower drain and see water glinting through the metal grill. I wonder at how each cabin must have its own draining and heating and aircon system. The room itself does not smell and is a good temperature. Cool, but not cold. We are among the first to arrive in the canteen dining room, which is two floors below our cabin. The space opens up expansively and red quilted pleather seats with chrome legs are arranged around tables and stretch out over what seems like acres of red patterned carpet with chrome pillars. The chrome and pleather is retro space age glamorous. There are also two bars with beer on tap on opposite sides of the room. We begin to look at the canteen menu. Then, at the suggestion of the host, we walk over to look at the a la carte menu restaurant, which is screened off. and has a menu for people to look at at the entrance on a lectern-like stand. I consider sea bass. I consider risotto. I consider steak. But there is a minimum order of two courses and it feels expensive at the beginning of the trip. Plus, all of the sea view tables have reserved signs. The atmosphere is a little too hushed, and the seating area is isolated from the people watching fun of the main dining area. Moreover, I love canteens. When we return to the canteen, a queue has formed. We each take a tray. The trays are plastic and dark brown with an almost adhesive rubberish surface added on. For rough seas, I suppose. I try not to think of that. The queue inches forward and we reach the refrigerated drinks cabinet and take Heineken beers and sparkling water. People ahead of us are ordering pizzas cooked in a series of mini pizza ovens behind the counter. They look like convincingly rendered versions of contemporary sourdough-style pizzas. Fish and chips with mushy peas are attractively presented on a little metal tray with a piece of decorative greaseproof paper and are also popular. Personally, I consider the fish, the ricotta and spinach cannelloni, and the IKEA-alike meatballs with lingonberry jam, gravy and mashed potato, but settle on beef stroganoff with rice. I think that unlike fried fish, which may become soggy from waiting to be served, 
Stroganoff might improve with a long resting time, a dish suited to a canteen. I decide against the meatballs as I intend to visit Ikea soonish. The man serving me dishes out a generous portion of stroganoff and rice and then turns to the garnishing section where he picks up parsley and sprinkles it over and adds a handful of sliced gherkins onto the plate. S has the same as me, but with chips instead of rice. Always a hard decision to make. We sit on a table, one back from the sea view seats, which have been claimed. The parsley is aromatic and truly fresh cut. The gherkins crisp and sharp, and the meat is soft with a richly flavoured sauce. I add a sachet of sambal erlik, which is provided alongside ketchup and mayonnaise at the cutlery station for a bit more heat and seasoning. Around us, people of all ages eat pizza, drink beer and wine, hunch around tables to chat and take a look around the room. There are various announcements over the tannoy about the trucker's canteen, which is located elsewhere on the ship and to which other passengers are not invited. After a few rounds of a card game for which I have to look up the rules, golf, we go outside and climb several sets of stairs to go to the highest viewing deck. We are high up, among a huge red chimney emblazoned with an S lit by floodlights. The ship sets off at 11pm and moves out of the Store River to the estuary where the Store joins with the Orwell River and flows out to sea. We glide past Felixstowe docks and get a close view of lorries driving up and down the quay, loading containers on and off ships. And then we reach the end of land and set out to sea on a path lit by red and green channel buoys that wink in the darkness. Back in the cabin, S sits on the window seat and looks out at seagulls diving into the ship's wake, hunting for fish. Eating notes. The daytime before we catch the evening ferry. Wonderfully crumbly scones with cream and jam at Felixstowe Book Festival, made by the mother of novelist Ruth Dugdall, who chaired the talk about my book. Ruth's mother asked a question. Do I listen to music while cooking? I said yes and asked if she did and what she listens to. And she said, ballads, those by Alison Moyet, Barbara Streisand and Rod Stewart. Breakfast on the ferry. I didn't feel like an egg, so had some jam and cheese and chocolate, chocolate spread and Dutch chocolate sprinkles and a mixture of grapefruit and orange juice. Bitterballen in the centre of Amsterdam. Breadcrumb balls with small pieces of meat in a bechamel sauce. Dipping in the mustard. Very hot, very nice. A sparkling blackcurrant Fanta in a glass bottle at a cafe. I love this flavour. Indonesian takeaway picnic in the park in Amsterdam with Hannah and Tom on Hannah's beautiful blanket. It was delicious. Cassava chips with peanut sauce. Lamb curry and a hard-boiled egg and green beans with roti. Chicken skewers with peanut sauce and pickled cucumber. Rice, stuffed rice with a sharp hot sauce. 
News and events. In the last fortnight, two long-form reviews of my book, Small Fires, were published. Being read in this attentive, sustained way is the greatest honour. One is by Marion Bull for N Plus One, and one is by Siobhan Phillips for the LA Review of Books. On the 19th of July, I'm in conversation online with Alicia Kennedy, hosted by Bold Fork Books. I'm very excited about speaking to Alicia, whose book No Meat Required is out in the US on the 15th of August. Subscribe to her newsletter for brilliant, deeply researched weekly essays about every facet of food imaginable and much besides. On the 17th of August, I'm in conversation with Nyla Ahmad at the Edinburgh Book Festival about small fires. Tickets are now for sale. Thanks for listening.